What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Start Interrupt Podcast. We're here on a Thursday. Uh, little birthday boy action a couple days ago. Tommy, another year older. I don't know if you're another year wiser. How are you? <laughs> Definitely not wiser. I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm 26 uh, as of yesterday. Uh, I guess I'm an old man now. Dude. You're you're getting up there, and the older uh, we're you just get, the insurance it. just keeps going down, though, right? The the car insurance rates. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we're just gonna gloss over the fact that I'm gonna be 29 next month. I uh, mm. don't really want to talk about that all that much, but hey, we'll get there. you know what? We got some prime years left, at least. I ho- at least I hope so. Um, oh, bro, I'm I'm probably about 10 percent of what my prime should be right now, so I got a lot to look forward to. <laughs> there you go, baby. There you go. I'm I'm dwindling down, unfortunately. Um, Jeez. All right, all right, buddy. So let's get into some NBA. Speaking of dwindling down, the uh, Heat are one win away from the NBA Finals. Last night, Tyler Harrow uh, balled out. I mean, he's had a great bubble and great postseason this whole time, but what he did last night was special, and uh, the Heat are one win away. I, I know that I like them heading in here. I didn't see this happening, but this is a, this is a pretty crazy run they're on. Yeah, I think they uh, they. They really play to the Celtics' weaknesses well. Um, they can spread out the floor and attack the the weaker defenders. Gordon Hayward coming back from the Celtics, we thought it would make a little bit more of an impact than it did last night. And uh, Tyler Harrow just stole that game yesterday, just completely grabbed it and took it. I mean, one thing we haven't talked about really that much during this whole bubble postseason action is – just the absolute onslaught that Kentucky players have had. Oh, and yeah. Tyler Harrow, Tyler Harrow, obviously, yesterday. I mean, I heard John Calipari today on the Michael K show out of New York, and he was talking about how he was a four-star recruit. He wasn't one of the famous five-stars that they brought in, but uh, never thought he would be this good this fast, but acknowledged that he didn't walk into – he couldn't have walked into a better situation, rather. And as we've talked about, that whole team has seemed to take on the persona that is Jimmy Butler. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jimmy Butler becoming a leader down there and becoming, um, I think when he took over his own team and they started to take on the culture, I think that jumped him up a level. Uh, I think it kind of replaced the lack of talent that he had against other players. Like, you wouldn't say he's as talented as Westbrook or, or Harden or some of the, or Paul George, but he's just, I think he's a better basketball player just because of uh, his grit. I agree. I mean, if you're going to be one of the last picks, if he wasn't the last pick taken in the draft when he came out out of Marquette, um, you know, you've got to you've got to fight your way to get to the point where he has been in his career. And he, we've known he's always wanted that role of being the alpha and why it drove him nuts, what he saw happening in Chicago after Thibodeau left and what he saw in Minnesota with this Thibodeau. This is a and obviously group, in Philly too. I mean, you it got Duncan Robinson group. coming from a Division three school. You got Jay Crowder who went to a junior college. Goran Dragic who barely got a shot in the NBA. Harrow mentioned, I mean, obviously he was a lottery pick, but he still um, – was only a four-star recruit as opposed to a five-star. A lot of underlooked guys. And then the other Kentucky guy on that team as well, Bam. Yeah, Bam has taken a leap to, I mean, I don't know who the second-best player is on this team because it literally changes every single night. But Bam, I mean, what can't he do? I mean, he's efficient. He obviously is physical. I think he's leading the team in free-throw shooting, not to mention. Yeah, he's a big man that knocks down the, his free throws, which obviously is huge. Um, and what's crazy about that really is, fun. I mean, the free the free throw percentage is a good indicator of, with more practice, the three-point jumper at some point in his career. Oh, totally. Yep, absolutely. You, you watch him shoot, and it's not a brick house. You know, he actually has no. some touch Great for a form. big guy. Absolutely, man. I mean, and those Kentucky guys, I mean, they're versatile. So, um do you see Miami finishing off Boston tomorrow night, or does Boston find a way to get back into this thing? Because we got to talk about how they've come up empty and what we see, you know, lacking from them. I think Miami's a bunch of dogs, and they finish it off. Did I say Miami in five or six? I think I said six. I'm going to change it to five. Honestly, I think. I mean, is the moment too big for Jason Tatum, or or did he just have an off night? I don't think the moment's too big. He's been in a lot of huge games. He went toe-to-toe with LeBron a couple of years ago. So I just think he's had a couple of off games. Yeah, me too. Look for I, him to I bounce back. 
Yeah, I definitely can't say the moment's too big. I can't really say the moment's too big for any of these guys. I mean, Jalen Brown acknowledged yesterday in his post-game comments that the team kind of just came out flat, and that's weird to hear from Brad Stevens' coach team, especially knowing that if you win that game, you're back 0-0 and it's a best of three. So uh, I was concerned to hear that. Miami just looks like they have that feel of a team that can't be stopped, right? I mean, even when they get down big, Denver has this on the West side, which we'll get into in a little bit, but Miami just feels like they know that they're going to win this series. They might not be the better team, but at least for right now, they seem to have all the mojo, especially, you know, we see the fight happening between Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and a couple other members of the Celtics. Uh, you're not seeing any of that on Miami's bench. No, but I also think that's a good thing because you know Jimmy Butler has no problem calling out a guy for anything and fighting with somebody if it needs to be. I respect fighting when it comes to just two guys being uber competitive and disagreeing. Um, I think it's good to work out those kinks. Uh, and I think they got in a fight after game two, and they ended up winning game three. So it might have helped them out a little bit. Maybe they need another fight. Um but with that being said, I just think the Celtics just hit so many of the so many excuse me the Heat hit so many of the Celtics' weaknesses, and this is just a better team right now, more talented team. I'd say no, but I think they're a better team. Yeah, that's a really good way to phrase it, right? I mean, you you don't always see the the best team win, but or the most talented team rather, but you definitely see the best team. Uh, Miami's showing that, and obviously we, we've talked extensively about Spolstra as a head coach and how well-prepared they are, how well-coached they are. Not no an indictment about on that. Boston. No, and it's not an indictment on Stevens in Boston. It's more so just a real compliment to Miami and the structure that they have down there. Um, I don't know how this would be if this was a regular playoff format, but the point of the matter is it's not. We can only go off what we're seeing in Orlando, and it doesn't look like they really have any interest in leaving. Uh, tomorrow night's going to be very interesting to see if Boston can get a little bit more fight and make it 3-2, or if Miami just I think they'll make it 3-2 and Miami to gets them at 6. Well, that would stay true to your prediction. That's so. my opinion. What about you? Well, I you know me, I, I picked I picked Boston in seven, so you gonna stick I mean, with it? we're we're gonna have to stick with it, right? The series ain't over yet. Yeah, uh, but I don't feel great about it. All right, so let's jump over to the Western Conference. Um, now, last week, after listening to the pod, we did a whole lot of shitting on the Clippers, and I feel like we owe the Nuggets their due. I think we owe them a little bit of credit because I don't even know if we talked about them to be honest. You know what, man? We didn't, and it wasn't even. And you know what? That's cool. If like people want to say like we we didn't give them their due, that that's a that's a collapse that we haven't seen from a team with that level of expectation. And it wasn't even to knock what the Nuggets did. It was just you can't believe a team like the Clippers did that. So well, let's finally give Denver their due now. I mean, I really like this team. I think Jamal Murray actually took a, a leap into another into another category as a player, and I think he's going to be a little bit more consistent with this. I'm not saying he's going to go out and drop 50 every game. Then he'd be the greatest player of all time, but I think he, he's an all-star caliber player, and he's playing like it. Um, Jokic against the Clippers, obviously, he was everything that they couldn't that they they couldn't be. Um, a big man that is very skilled, and he's having his way with the Lakers in some of these games, but... Looking at it right now, Lakers are up 10 going into uh, right before halftime here, four minutes before halftime, and it just looks like LeBron, playoff LeBron, zero dark 30 LeBron, whatever he calls himself when the playoffs come, him and Anthony Davis are taking over, and they're saying this Denver team is cute, but, you know, it's our, it's our time. Well, Which is I interesting because, like, I think maybe aside from I want to say – the 2000 and what year was it? Seven Cavs. Aside, if you take Anthony Davis and you put him over there, this might be LeBron's worst roster. Yeah, but you know what? It's the roster LeBron wanted, and he picks his veterans and his supporting cast. And when you trade the farm for an Anthony Davis, this is what you get. So I really don't. He doesn't have a kick coming. Is my is my point? So you're saying uh, it's going to have to deal with this. It's unfair to give him a, a, a bunch of criticism when things go well? Or or is it fair to give him, not criticism, but kudos when things go well? Is it unfair to give him that because this is what he wanted? 
for carrying his team because I think it's fair to give him that when we shit on him when things are going bad because that is a team he wants. Well, I mean, I'm not shitting on him at all. I mean, he's the best player on the best team, and if they lose, it's probably not going to be on him. I mean, I never knocked him for losing on some of those Cavs teams. Not that at all. 2018 team wasn't very. He had the be- He had one of the best playoff games in Game One of that Finals that I've ever seen. So, like, I don't knock him for losing if that's what the team is. It's just that's what the team is. When you're in a win-now situation and you have to trade, not sign, trade for Anthony Davis, and you have to give up Ingram and you have to give up Hart and you have to give up Lonzo and you have to give up a bunch of picks like that, yeah, when you have no collateral, you have to bring in a Rajon Rondo and an Avery Bradley and a Danny Green. So that just is what it is. Um, But I, I... I can't really knock LeBron if they lose. It's If he plays great, it, it's going to be, hey, you know, I think we can all, anybody who's watched Denver and is watching this series, you know, as we're into the fourth uh, game now, Denver is by far the deeper, better team, but the best two players, I think, reside on L.A. Absolutely. So what do, what do we think happens here? Give me the rest of the series for you. I still think the Lakers take it. Um I think they'll win in six. Okay. What did we originally say? I think we both said Lakers in six. Okay. Let's stick with it. I have to rewind the tape, but I think I know I'm pretty confident that I picked them in six. All right. Well, let's keep it with that. Lakers in six for me, too. And then let's make another finals prediction here. I mean, obviously, my finals prediction's gone down the toilet. I believe it was yours, too, um, with the Clippers losing. But who do you think wins the finals? I'm going to go L.A. Lakers here. Rain on the Miami Heat's parade. Yeah, the Lakers have the two best players on the same team left in this in this bracket, so I'm going to side with LeBron and AD. That'll be interesting because, you know, another thing that I was sitting there thinking was, and this is on me, I wouldn't say it's on you, but I'm always talking about how Kawhi catapults him into himself into a pantheon of the top 15 to win, to be the best player, of an MVP on three and win a championship with three different franchises. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, wait, LeBron's going to do that if he wins this year. So, I mean, LeBron has already cemented himself in the top two. And, by the way, can you believe that at the beginning, after they lost one game to Portland, I said if LeBron loses this series, he might not be top two anymore? That seems like a year ago. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think well, that just puts also- LeBron even further ahead. That's also the prisoner of the moment thing. Yeah. Why, like, we have was, to really that watch. Was bad for in, me. That, in that game one, I think he had 45. Yeah, that and was that's a bad the problem take by with, me. like, well, I mean, it happens. I think, too, is like we look at LeBron and it's like his team should never lose. And again, I mean, I think that definitely they shouldn't lose to Portland. But I, I said if he has four more games like that and they lose, then I can't really shit on him for this because uh, he held up his end of the bargain and. Um, what we're going to see in this, the rest of this Denver series is if this tandem of Jokic and, and Murray with the supporting cast uh, can outlast LeBron and AD. Because let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Remember, they needed a, a, a buzzer beater by AD to win game two when Denver was charging and they had all the momentum. And if it wasn't for a, a complete gaffe defensively by Plumlee, uh, Denver might win that ball game, so Absolutely. we could be having a very different different uh, conversation right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the game four goes, but I'm definitely not willing to write off Denver. I just the will of LeBron, and if AD has another you know 45 point game or so, uh, I don't know how if you're Denver you combat that, even if you maybe have the better overall team. No, I'm I'm definitely not willing to write Denver off completely yet, but I think LeBron wills them in six. Yep, me too. Absolutely, man. All right, so talked about basketball. You ready to move on to a little baseball before we get on to uh, our usual Wednesday NFL? I I would, man. I just want to ask you real fast. I mean, we talked about all of our uh, all of our award winners and whatnot before. Can you believe it was a year ago we did our NBA preview and that we're all it'll be almost a year between the beginning of this season and the end. I do. I don't even remember what I did. <laughs> Who did I pick well, I for MVP? Ask, oh, I picked Jokic. 
Yeah, I, I don't even remember. Uh, go 11 months into the archives, I guess. <laughs> but before we move on to baseball, I just want to ask you, what did you think about Giannis winning his second straight MVP? Was it the right decision? I think given the fact that it was, it's a complete regular season award and you're expected only to vote on the regular season, pre-bubble he was the MVP. There was only eight games going post-bubble. So, yeah, I, I think it was the right thing to give you a long, long-winded answer. There. I do, no, I, I, that's a good answer. I, I do too. And it was tough because if I could have voted, I would have voted LeBron just because he got the, the Lakers to the number one seed. But Milwaukee, I mean, obviously were jaded by their performance, but they might have lost to the team that wins the NBA Finals or is the East representative. So we can't really say they choked. Uh, he was the best player this year on the best team this year, uh, and he's well-deserved. So now, obviously, based off my superstar rankings, uh, he has to start moving up a little bit. If you're a two-time MVP, you got to go Your superstar rankings are, are very heavily weighted in the playoffs, as they should be. And I mean, I think, not to knock him down a few pegs, but I think you should hold him up and keep him where he is because he was not very successful in the playoffs this year either, right? No, he wasn't, but what I'm going to say is at least, you know, this is this is year two now in a row, so heading into next year um, with probably better circumstances, not having to have an interrupted season and head to the bubble, uh, and I'm sure help on the way after his meeting with Buck's ownership, uh, I would expect him to have a better, have a little bit more success next year, although the East will be a little tougher, but that's a conversation for another time. So um, he's getting one more chance. The deserving winner. Not one more chance, but I got to see you get out of the second round next year. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. All right. Now let's move on to baseball, Tom. Our Yankees, boy, is this team a Jekyll and Hyde team, aren't they? And with only three games left before the uh, before the playoffs, they hold only a two-game lead over the Toronto Blue Jays um, for that uh, second They have clinched, though, buddy. They have clinched, and good for them. Um, that 10-game winning streak they went on after the sky was falling was, was very much needed, but now they've lost – uh, four out of five, um, and I don't know what to make of this team heading into the playoffs, man. I, I really don't. I mean, the lineup, it, it, it's the, the guys are there, right? So you don't have any more excuses about not having the cavalry. Everybody's there, Judge and Stanton are getting their legs underneath them and their swings back, um, but they've had some rough showings in Buffalo. I don't know if that's an isolated situation where they just haven't played there or played well there this year or what, but... This team is as likely to me to go on a run and win the whole damn thing as they are to lose in the first round. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, this team is its tough to guess. It's its tough to make an educated guess with this team because, again, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if you know a month from now you told me they, they lost or they're in the World Series. I think that the biggest issue with analyzing a team – and the pitching like, makes me nervous. I know Hap pitched well a couple of days ago, and um, Cole's been looking good, but it's really the pitching that makes me nervous. I think there's always going to be a guy that comes up big for the Yanks when it comes to it's hitting. Funny. It's, it's so funny you say that, man. I feel the complete opposite way. Oh, yeah? I, have, I actually have some belief that the pitching is going to keep the Yankees in a chance to win every single game. With the exception of Adovino, I feel pretty good about everybody coming out of that. So let's just meet in the middle. The if you're worried about the hitting, the hitting, I'm worried about the pitching, then I think we should be fine. <laughs> Either that or we should be shitting ourselves. Yeah, I'm trying to be a little positive here, like some glass half full. I just worry about the pitching because it just seems like these guys, I mean, I, I know Tanaka's got the playoff experience, but they're relying on guys that I, I'm worried about, Debbie Garcia, uh, being in an inexperienced player, obviously you have Cole, and obviously you have Tanaka, but after that, I, I really am worried. Okay, so it sounds like you're a little bit more worried about the starting rotation, more so than the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen's there, and like you said, aside from Adovino, who, I mean, he's been a trip this year, let's just say that, um, I think they're pretty much a sure thing. And I get it that you can, when games are a little more spread out and whatnot, you can kind of just go to the bullpen a lot more often, but... You know, I feel like in the past, recently at least, some of these playoff games, the Yankees are down 5 nothing in the first inning. And I don't give a shit how good your bullpen is then. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that was more so in the 2018 uh, playoffs against Boston. Last year, 
really, I can't recall a, a, a terrible stumble by a starter where you were out of the game, aside from maybe game three when Severino went against Cole, and it wasn't even bad Severino, but if you gave Cole two runs, you had no shot. Um, the lineup didn't do anything last year towards the end of that series, and you watch games like in, in Buffalo, where last night they have, uh, they have bases loaded, no outs, and don't score. And tonight they had second and third no outs and didn't score. And situations like that, when you're facing even better pitching than the Blue Jays have, I mean, that, that, that is going to lose you games. And I haven't loved how the defense has been playing either. So it's weird. Like, if, you, we, if we talked on Saturday, we were on top of the world. Now it's kind of regressed back to what it was a couple weeks ago. So what have you I'm done just for me con- lately kind of thing? Yeah, it is. I'm just confused by this team because in a 60-game season, you don't have, you know, those 10-game winning streaks feel like 30 and those four-game losing streaks feel like 20. So you really don't have a true pulse as to how to feel as a fan because every game means so much. But I don't know, man. It's going to be fascinating. Regardless of whether they play, if the season were to end today, they would be playing the White Sox. Uh, but the White Sox and Twins are a half a game separated from the Central Division well, uh, we, all, we, we don't have to say who we want to play in that one. I think everybody knows. <laughs> That's obvious. That's the obvious, yes. The Twins of recent times. Yep. Uh, is there anything else uh, from baseball, before we move on to our NFL slate, uh, that interests you as the final weekend of the regular season uh, is about to conclude? The only other thing, really, I mean, Bauer is is a Cy Young candidate. I think he's going to win it this year. Bieber pitched really well um, on top of that. But I, I felt bad because Clevenger looks like he's going to miss the rest of the season. And the Padres went out. Yeah. And, and it's it's not even a rooting for Clevenger. It's more just rooting for the Padres because I don't think they've made the playoffs since, what was it? It's either 2008 or 2006. 2006. And that's just a tough loss for them because I, I know um, – Paddock, their their ace is a little banged up as well. Yeah, their starting pitching definitely scares you if you're rooting for them. But they're in the postseason, so now it'll be interesting to just see how far they go without their true number one ace, who they gave up everything for. Um, but this team, unlike the Yankees, there I feel pretty con- confident in the consistency of their offense. Oh, how could you not? Those guys mash. They absolutely match. Slam Diego has been real this year. So, uh, yeah, I think the Padres are right there. Um, Tampa Bay winning the division, obviously good for them. The National League is going to be pretty interesting. A team like the Marlins, with this three-game series to start off, dude, if you're throwing Sixto Sanchez in game one and then their other kid, uh, his name's escaping me right now, he's pitching tomorrow night against the Yanks, uh, that's a pretty nasty one-two combination and. I would not be shocked if they were if they were to advance past the first round. Not at all. And, and a lot of the teams that got off to, to bad starts or just didn't have good years ought to be kicking themselves because I think anybody could really win the World Series this year. You look at a team like the Mets, and it's just shameful. <laughs> it is. But Steve Cohen, uh, the sale went through. Now it's just a matter of being approved by the uh, rest of the owners. And the new era of Mets baseball can begin, but we won't have to waste our time on the Mets right now. No, not at all. Thankfully. Thankfully. That's for another day. You got anything else on the playoffs before we do waste our time on our New York football teams? (laughs) No, man. I'm ready to go. Let's talk some football. All right. Why don't I lead it off with the Jets? Because I feel like you're going to have a lot to say about the Giants. Um, I don't really have much to say about the Jets. I... Again, Sam Darnold has an absolute highlight throw this week, and he shows flashes, but, I mean, the guy cannot put a full game together, nor can he put a full season together, a full quarter of a season together. I need to see progress. I haven't seen any progress from his rookie year. Even Daniel Jones, I know the guy's only in his, what is it, we're, we're into week three here. We're only, he's only in his third game of his second year. Daniel Jones, I think, has less talent than he even did last year. But with that being said, I think he has gotten a little bit better, and you could see it the way he's keeping his team in games and leading them down the field. He's gotten better in year two, and you just want to see that from a young quarterback year by year by year, getting a little bit better, a little bit better, until they're ultimately ready to compete for a playoff spot in a Super Bowl. Sam Darnold, I feel like, 
I don't want to say he's regressed because I don't think that's the case, but I wouldn't say he's gotten significantly better at all either. And that's really what's disappointing to me and why I'm, I'm full-on tank for Trevor. I know it was suck for I, Sam, but now it's tank for Trevor. You know what, man? I think that's really good analysis because I, I've been obviously a Darnold uh, supporter this whole time. Um, I, I liked him out of USC. I knew I knew his game needed some refinement, and obviously he has been done no favors by the organization whom you root for. But I understand that too, and I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I, I mean, listen, and that is always my defense of Sam Darnold. Let's get this guy some weapons before we shit on him. But, like, I mean – what kind of weapons are some of these other quarterbacks that are growing dealing with? You know what I mean? Like, it's just the fact that I feel like I'm watching the same guy as in 2018 at a USC in 2020, and that's unacceptable. I mean, Justin Herbert comes off the bench fresh looking like a 12-year-old boy and almost beats the Chiefs. Well, no, you you, you just made exactly my point, and that's, that's what it is. I mean, I in year three of – your pro career where you have been given the reins as the number one starting quarterback since week one of your rookie season. I mean, it's not like he came in halfway through the year and I, I know he got hurt a little bit his, his rookie year and had mono last year and all these things are excuses. And I'm not going to lie, man. I mean, a lot of them are valid, but you see to your point, quarterbacks who you just know have that it factor are going to be good they make up for the deficiencies that their coaching staffs have they make up for deficiencies that you know their their skill positions and supporting casts have or their defenses have there they have some promise where you watch a game and say there's something there's something there's something not when you're down by 24 points and you make a highlight real throw i mean that's way too little too late and Darnold has not progressed. I, I agree with you. Your analysis is perfect. He hasn't regressed. I, don't just, I just don't think he has progressed. And that's a big problem if you're a Jet fan because you're in the position of having to pick up a fourth-year option. And if you are the worst team in the NFL, which they have been, I mean, there's a bevy of 0-2 teams, but including my team. But if they Consensus, if, I mean, if they're they the worst team in the league this year, though. Yeah, they were picked to beat the Dolphins twice, and those were their only two projected wins. I don't even think you're going to get the Dolphins that, are zero and two, and they're up twenty-one-seven right now. So, and they very easily could have beaten the Bills on Sunday. So you're in a position now where Trevor Lawrence, the number one quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, is available. I think you got to completely throw Sam out and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, and I wish things were different, but." You look at what the Cardinals did, man. Their entire tenor of their franchise changed when they brought in Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray after the year before drafting Josh Rosen. It was not a matter of, hey, you know, we already drafted our quarterback. Nope, we have a generational talent that we can't lose. And I think the Jets, especially Joe Douglas, who has five years left on his deal, you know that they're surveying that entire situation right now. You're absolutely right, man. And maybe just Sam wasn't the guy. I mean... When we went into that draft, there was that was was that a record for first round quarterbacks? I think it tied one. And, I think and, it tied eighty three. And we said I mean, I believe you brought up the statistic that fifty percent of first round quarterbacks bust, right? Mm-hmm. And and I was saying to myself, you know, I think they might I think they might bust the um the what's it called? The percentage, I think they might. I think they might actually be able to go over on this one, and then before you know it, it's called regression to the mean, man. It's a percentage for a reason over what almost a hundred years in the NFL, and Baker Mayfield, possible bust. Josh Rosen, definite bust. Sam Darnold, I would say I would put him at a eighty-seven percent bust if I were to put a number yeah. on it. And, yep. and then you got the other two. You have Josh Allen, who's leading his team to the playoffs this year, and you have the reigning NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson, that everybody skipped over and he almost fell to the second round. Yeah, exactly. And I think a really interesting conversation and comparison you could make is something we won't know, but uh, what happens if you flip Darnold and Baker situations? Because the really upsetting thing if you're a Browns fan is – you know, we're complaining about Darnold and how much and how bad he's been. Well, he's been given nothing. The Browns actually have surrounded 
Baker with a lot of talent. And last year was a little fugazi. They, they were drawing a terrible schedule, and I knew that they were not going to be nearly as good as people thought. But this year, they somehow even upgraded by getting an, of, an offensive line and, and uh, signing Hooper at tight end and having all these weapons that they had last year. I mean, there's no excuse for Baker Mayfield to be as bad as he's been in Cleveland. There is an excuse, at least a little bit more of a legitimate one for Darnold. I wonder what franchise is more upset with that pick, whether it be Cleveland with, uh, with Mayfield or the Jets with Darnold. See, the thing is, I look up and down this Jets roster, and they by far have the least talented roster in the NFL. And I just wonder, like, I know there's, I know there's a hard cap, towards the bottom in the NFL as well, right? Like, you got to be able – you got to spend a certain amount of money. And I just sit there and think, where the fuck did it go? You didn't pay Robbie Anderson, fine. You don't want a a diva wide receiver that's probably a wide receiver three, if we're talking fantasy terms, and he's a deep ball threat. He's not a possession wide receiver, fine. But still, I mean, you don't have – a stud offensive line. I know they signed some upgrade pieces, but clearly they're not doing that well. You get rid of Jamal Adams, so you're clearing a lot of cap space there. You don't have any stud corners. Claiborne's been gone for a few years, and he wasn't great anyways. Not to mention the guy that they got, what's his face, from the Rams. Uh, what was that cornerback's name? I can't even remember the guys you got from the Rams. He was a former Pro Bowl or whatever, regardless. Where is all this fucking money? You can't tell me it's all sunk in Le'Veon Bell. Well, a lot of it's sunk in C.J. Mosley, and he has played a grand total of a half for, the, for your team. And, that, and you know, that, that, is, that is tough because when you have a Tremaine Johnson, and maybe that was the guy, right? Yeah, we're that's talking it. About, Tremaine Johnson was cut after a year and, and unplayable halfway through his only year with your team. That was money. Uh, obviously, you, you have um, you have Mosley and you have Bell, and it's just all on down the line. Your highest paid players have either not played or they have been absolute busts. So um, Marcus May is probably your best player right now. Would would that be fair to say on your team? Yeah, or the is Marcus May the best lineman. Yeah, Becton's actually had a really good year so far. His first two games, he's held up pretty well. So, I mean, that's not a good thing. So that's where your money's gone, and, and it's sunken costs. And again, it's what is it? Is it is it a failure to um, analyze talent and bring in the right talent? Is it a uh, situation where uh, you know you have a GM that? is paying players who the coach wants. Like, I I don't really know what it is. All I know is that the Jets' money has not been well spent, and they're sunken costs, and that's why, you know, you don't have a lot of talent, and the few talented guys you have are either unavailable to play or so bad where they you can't play them. That's the recipe for disaster right there. Absolutely, man. I think I'm done talking about it. (laughs) And the worst part is, dude, it's two weeks in. I'll tell you this. If it's, you, it's gloom and doom, man. I know. You're at Indianapolis this week. And Indianapolis, I know, kicked the living shit out of Minnesota last week. But, you know, Minnesota blows. They did lose to Jacksonville in week one. Next week, you're hosting on Thursday Night Football. Oh, good. A week from tonight, we get to watch the Jets, Broncos, and the Meadowlands. I swear, if the Jets don't win that game with Jeff Driscoll starting for the, for the Broncos and all of their best defensive players out, uh, including Cortland Sutton up there, uh, wide receiving core, uh, you're not winning a game this year. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, man, it'll have to be a fucking miracle, and that's just, it's so depressing. But in typical Jets fashion, they'll probably win their last two games, and they'll lose the number one overall pick to, I don't know, maybe the Lions? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, another team we got to talk about right now, because it segues perfectly, is my New York football Giants. Now they're not as much of a dumpster fire two well, weeks in as the New York Jets. Coach. No, I understand, but what I'm saying is, is they're zero and two, and they're they're hosting the 49ers this week at the same field where they lost almost their entire team to your New York Jets last week. And if they don't win this game, I mean, then they're they're playing the Rams, then they're playing the Cowboys. I mean, moral victories are great when you have a first-year head coach and a second-year quarterback who's about to make his 15th career NFL start and all that, and Saquon Barkley now, unfortunately, is out for the season. But at the end of the day, it's a win-loss league, and if you win one or two games, 
you know, as crazy as it sounds, man, we can very well be having the same conversation about the Giants with Jones as we're having about the Jets with Darnold. If, if the Giants find their way into the first or second pick and Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields is available, which we think they will be, there's going to be conversations in that locker room because Gettleman will be gone and it'll be Joe Judge and they will they have been grooming another GM, you know, in the very traditional Giants way underneath Gettleman. Uh to make a pick and start his era as as GM, so that's going to be very. I know, man. I've too. seen I, everything I've seen from from Jones. I've liked. I understand, and I have too. And, and for right now, I like it because again of where he is. Right, he's about to make his fifteenth career NFL start. He showed glimpses. Um, I mean, last week they were down seventeen nothing. He had a terrible fumble, a bad interception. He come ba- he comes back and throws a ball in the end zone with a chance to win the football game. I can't hate on him for that. We talked last week about the performance against Pittsburgh. But if we have 14 more games and he wins one or two more, again, we're going to have the same conversation with him as we did about Darnold. I need to see you will your team two wins because great quarterbacks in this league can do that with inferior talent. And if Trevor Lawrence is what we think he's going to be, that is a legitimate conversation. I know it sounds crazy. I like Daniel Jones, and I know it sounds like you do too. But that's not completely ridiculous in this year's, in 2021's draft. Given the talent, I completely agree with you, man. So I got to ask you before we move on to our picks for this from this week, um, up and coming, are you sad about Saquon? I mean, you sent me a couple of hot takes. I don't know if you want to voice that over and, and, and no, speak I, I mean, that into existence. I, I do. I mean, and I, I'll, I'll echo exactly what I told you over text. I am very sad for Saquon and about Saquon. He's a tremendous player, has Hall of Fame talent. He's a great kid. He's a captain of the team. Obviously, you hate to lose him, right? But this team has sucked with him. This team won five games with him in 2018, and last year he missed four games, and um, they won twice with him. So as great as he is and as generally generationally talented as he is, this team has not won with him. So... When people are screaming about how the season's lost, by the way, they did sign Devontae Freeman, uh, who was a free agent, so you're going to run him with Deion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. The point of the matter is the offensive line has been horrible uh, with Saquon Barkley, and hopefully it gets better as the year goes on. But that game against Pittsburgh, when he, I think he had four yards or, and, and was completely non, a non-factor, you can't tell me that the season's lost because Saquon's lost. Again, he's a great running back. But what have I told you all the time, my man? He's a running back. Yep. Running backs, they're not as important if they don't have good offensive lines, no matter how good they are. And I've always comped him to Barry Sanders. If you watch Barry Sanders' highlight tapes, there is a boatload of ridiculous runs. There's also a lot of negative rushes where the team was the defensive ba- uh, defensive tackles were in the backfield by the time he got the ball which has been a lot of Saquon's career so I feel terrible for him I hope he comes back healthy the Giants will have to face a dilemma with him when he comes back but uh, as far as how it alters this team's chances of being anything this year I, I hate to say it uh, it really doesn't in my eyes yeah the Giants were going nowhere this year so maybe this this rest will be a good thing for him um, last two questions I had to ask you. One, are you happy we're not talking about college football this year because it's it's bullshit and no one cares about it? And I, Because I'll give you my answer right now. It is yes, I am. <laughs> it's one less thing I, I have to watch, and, and yep. I don't give a fuck. It, it doesn't okay. count for the shit SEC this year. Is, now, I'm going to tell you, the, the SEC and your new, your new favorite team starting to play this Saturday. Are you telling me you won't That's watch cool. any of it? That's cool, but like, unless it's the way it is every other year where every single conference plays, I don't give a shit. Well, we're about to have that, I think, because the, the Big Ten voted to come back the middle of October. Well, we don't give a shit about the Ivy I League. I do, okay? I need no, you do to not. Play, and I'm a big hard okay, guy. Was, uh, oh, please. Who's their best player? I don't know. Probably He's probably going to be a doctor, so how about that? <laughs> The whole team will be. I know you're happy that you don't have to talk college football. I'm looking forward to watching big-time college football again, regardless of what the situation is. My other question was, well, first of all, how do you think Bama's going to do this year? I think they're a very good team. I think that they should win the SEC. Great. Good for Nick Saban. Uh, He can enjoy enjoy. He's your boy. 
He is not. Um, he's a coward. Uh, moving on, with that being said, how do you feel about Because we talked about the Jets' first-round draft pick. How have mm-hmm. you liked um, the Giants' offensive lineman out of Georgia? What was his name? Andrew something or another? Andrew Thomas. Yeah, you know, he's, he has not been as I should really know his. I should really know his name, shouldn't I? You, you should. I mean, it, it, would be a, it would be a benefit to you and probably a great tip for you with names. Um, he's not been as dominant as Becton has been on the starting left tackle, but he's played very well. I have more concerns with Nick Gates, the center. I have more concerns with Cam Fleming, the right tackle, and even Zeitler, the right guard. So right now, honestly, he's probably their second best uh, tackle, so take that for what it's worth. But he has not gotten blown up. Uh, but he'll be put to the test next week facing um, facing Donald in L.A. I don't even count that. Like, if he gets his ass kicked... No, but it's a good litmus it. test. It'll be, it'll <laughs> be impressive good... if he can hold his own, but I don't even care if yeah. he gets hurt. They're not the hurt, left side but you know has... what I mean. Yeah, the left side hasn't gotten blown up as much. I mean, he just went through a gauntlet facing Dupree... Uh, for Pittsburgh, and then obviously Khalil Mack last week of Chicago. And he's been okay. I can't look at him and be like, you know, when I watched Eric Flowers his first two games, I was like, oh, my God, this is bad. <laughs> this is really, really bad. Uh, I don't think Andrew Thomas, I mean, remember Frenchie talking about him, right? Like, he doesn't have that boom potential of, like, an all-time left tackle, but he's going to be a very good left tackle in the league for a long time. And two weeks in, I can't see anything that's uh, changed my mind on that. All right, so before we move on to our picks, thank you for that, by the way. I just wanted to let you know, first coach fired odds for as of today. Now, I know last week you were like, really? Oh, he's only This is only his second year, whatever. Adam Gase, plus 150. He's the favorite. Our boy Matt CP is third at plus 600. Listen, I he's gonna don't get fired, believe. Dude. I don't believe I said that I don't think he should be fired. I would be surprised. You would have to have, like I said, that Thursday night game. If you get blown out in the next two games, just like you have in the first two, because let's be honest, that 10-point loss in Buffalo felt like 25. Uh, If it's that way, I think they'll have no other chance. Or no other choice, rather. I just can't, can't see it. I can't see them letting him go this soon in year two i'm not saying it's the right move i think it's stupid and he should have been gone yesterday but i just can't see it do you really think that there's a chance he gets fired mid-season this year i think if they start off like i said Owen six is my number he gets canned what if he has like three or four losses like joe judge has had in his first two games i mean maybe we can still around six and you're gone Mm-mm. If they don't beat that team, what was what was the team you mentioned? Denver. If they don't beat Denver, starting Jeff Driscoll, fire his ass. It's just crazy to me how bad they come out of the, like out of the tunnel and play. Like it's crazy to me how much most- of a joke this franchise is. I mean, they've always been New York's second team. Um, they've always been, you know, kind of, I don't want to say a laughing stock, but a couple years ago they were a respectable team, and they've fallen off a cliff fast. And I know we're only in week two, and I might be overreacting, but honestly, from what no, I've seen on the are. field, I don't think I'm overreacting at all. I don't think you're overreacting at all either. It's not just two losses. I mean, the first half of the first game, you're down 21-3. to three. Last week, you have an 80-yard run against you from the first play from scrimmage for San Francisco with Moser. And then you give up a third and 35 on a run play in the third quarter. I mean, if that doesn't signal we don't care, we're not trying, we quit, I don't know what does. Because that's not a talent. Yet another reason why you fire him. Yes, totally agree. I mean, that was a lot of shit that I remember watching in 17 with McAdoo. I mean, the team literally just quit. They didn't have any intent on playing. And if you come out that flat in your home opener after a really terrible first game on the road against a division rival, whew, uh, you can't really start off worse than that. You're not overreacting at all. Enough, man. We're done. I'm done talking about it. (laughs) Give me your picks, bro. Let's move on. So I mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, 
you were three and one last week. I was three and one. The sperm bank pick of the week hit. I hope everybody went out and did what they had to do, got their cash together. And right now you'd be three and one and sitting on a pile of cash. You'd be really be six and one if you took all of our bets. No, you'd be four and one. I'm sorry because we do do two of the same bets. Um, so no, wait. Would you be four and two? I don't fucking know. I don't give a shit either. Um, all I know is that I was three and one last week, and that's good for me. As was I. I am keeping track. I'm writing it down. A little bit tougher to keep track. As we are uh, doing it through COVID here, and I gotta write everything down, so it's gonna take me a few seconds longer. Bear with Dude, me, motherfucker. Literally, what we did—we literally were doing that last year too. But I had the sheet in before. front of me. Now I gotta write down your picks too. Um, all right, I got mine. All right, so why don't you lead us off? Where? Who do you want to start off with? Let's start off with my abysmal Jets. Um, the Jets are going to Indianapolis this week to face the. 15 times over father Philip Rivers and Phil Rivers <laughs> is getting almost as many points as he has kids minus nine and a half. Give me is it, the charger and yeah. the, the charger shit. Give me <laughs> you were so the close. Dude, you were hitting the line. You were like playing it off so well. And you, all you needed to do was drive it home with the right team. <laughs> ah, so close. Give me so the Colts. close. I'm taking the Colts, too. Um, they can win by nine and a half in this game, being at home. Absolutely, man. And, and honestly, I don't really know if home home field advantage really matters that much this year, but I guess it does a little bit. I'm taking the nine and a half. The Jets are the worst team in the league this year. And the Jets have been bad, but I think that's the first time I've ever been able to say that in, in my adult life. I mean... The Colts, like, they had a weird first two games. Like, they lose to the Jaguars, who all of a sudden now might not be that bad. Um, uh, but they certainly 28-7 against earlier. Miami. Yeah, I mean, again, like, you're, you're on a short week. If they win next Sunday, it's a, you know, they, they're they're good again. Uh, I don't watch them and say, you're pathetic. I watch the Jets and say, you're pathetic. And the Colts with Phil Rivers, after just destroying Kirk Cousins and the Vikings last week, uh, they will take care of business and beat the Jets this week by nine and a half points. All right, let's talk about your New York Giants who are playing the San Francisco 49ers at home. The Niners are not happy about that. They're actually scared. They're shaking in their cleats about this one because of all the injuries. Um, can't decide whether or not I blame them for that. If I were part, if I were the Jets players, I would just scare, say I was scared to play on any surface <laughs> and try and actually, I would probably just say I was scared of COVID at this point and quit because that's how bad it is. Um, who was that guy that quit at halftime? That cornerback? I would probably do that. Um, with that being said, the, oh, Giants, the guy on the Bills last year who retired at halftime. Yeah, he he didn't that quit. He retired. Yeah. Yeah. That was two like, years ago. That was two years was ago, it? and then Shady McCoy ran in that touchdown, and the wasn't Bills turned like, it around and made the playoffs. Wasn't that like Vontae Davis or something? Yes, whatever yes, his name yes, was. yes, 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 yes. Vontae yeah, Davis, yes. Yeah, it was so great. He's like, I'm not coming out of that tunnel to start. I'm done. Yeah, and the Bills Power turned move. it around and made the playoffs. Power move. I respect it. Yeah, he looks like an asshole, though, because they actually did decent. With that being said, the Giants are actually getting four and a half points at home against the Niners. Sean, I'm going to take the Giants in this game. I think they can keep it a little bit closer than that, especially given that Jimmy Garoppolo and half of the Niners' defense isn't playing as well as Raheem Mostert. Tommy boy, I'm, I'm going to agree with you here. Uh, I'm going to take my Giants to you because I don't know where else I'm going to take them anytime soon. Might as well. Uh, Garoppolo, the, the, yeah, the decision on Garoppolo has not officially been made yet. Shanahan has led to believe that he might play. But, yeah, Bosa's out, Mozart's out. Uh, that defensive unit has already been a mash unit. And, you know, they're dropping like flies, and they don't want to play on this turf. The NFL and NFLPA approved the turf again today, so they're going to have to suck it. If the Giants don't <laughs> win this game, they're not uh, they're not winning anytime soon. So with a little bit of fanboy and also a little bit of rationality, I hope, give me the Giants to cover this game at least, uh, and I hope they win, but I'll, I'll take the cover for them. All right, next game I have for me, I have the – New England Patriots are at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. 
The Vegas Raiders, who you picked last week, got a win, a random win, not only a cover, but a win against the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to go with New England here. I think they can win by more than a touchdown. New England coming off a head-scratching loss, I guess you would say, not letting Cam do more of his thing on that last play, and the Vegas Raiders riding high off of a win. Give me New England minus 6.5. That was a great Sunday night game, wasn't it? I mean, I really thought Cam was going to score at the end there. Well, my, my whole point is you got Cam Newton. You're going to run this weird rush thing. Give Cam options. Put a tight end in. Let him run Let him run across. Do a little slant route. Cam can do that one-step fake and then do a jump throw. Yeah, that was kind of my thought because they had run that play uh, earlier in the game where it was kind of like that delayed run, and then he just flipped one into the end zone. So uh, kind of surprised I didn't do that. I like that pick by you. Obviously, the Raiders had a great uh, inaugural game in Vegas. Uh, I'm going to go over to L.A. in uh, SoFi Stadium where the Chargers are going to host the Panthers. Tom, the Chargers are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. And I know everybody's giddy that they needed to uh, – they pushed Kansas City to overtime and having Butker make – couple ridiculous kicks to win that, that game. That was incredible, by the way. That guy it got really fucking was. balls. What was it, 61, 58, and 59 or something like that? It yep. was ridiculous. Um, and they played a very good game. I, I got to give them credit. Uh, but you know what? The, the tape's out now on Herbert. And I don't know, but they had uh, Dr. Kevorkian working on uh, Tyrod Taylor. Did you see that shit? Well, I won't be going to see that doctor anytime soon if I have any chance. Punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung while injecting painkillers uh, for a rib injury. I wonder uh, what Tyrod that feels Taylor. like to be sitting on the doctor's table. I mean, you have no more trust as a vulnerable human being who has no idea what's going on with their body than putting your trust into a doctor. And then them being like, oops, sorry, just pricked your lung there. Not like he, you know... It's not like he cut up, cut him open a little too far during a during a finger surgery. Oops, sorry. You know you're gonna have to get six stitches instead of five. It's like I got your lung there a little bit. Sorry. In the words of Joe Girardi, it's not what you want. Um, and the Panthers being a seven and a half point dog. I mean, I do like Teddy Bridgewater, and I think that they can cover this game even if it's on the road. There's no six fans at Chargers games. Dog. Did it move to six and a half? Okay, the lines I saw here from have. this morning were seven and a half. Okay, um, but either way, I'll take the Panthers to cover this game. Teddy Two Gloves will play well, and uh, they might lose, but I think that this game's closer than that. All right, so you got Carolina plus six and a half. Sorry, everybody, that's bad radio. I'm writing it down. All right, why don't you go again so I can uh, build up a little hype for my sperm bank pick? Ah, uh, excellent. We're going to go to Denver, and I don't know if this line's moved since this morning at all, but Tampa is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in Denver. Is that correct? Do you have that one? I'm looking for it. Um, we'll go with it, bro. I'll write that's it down. The, that's, that's the line I have. So Tampa is traveling to Denver. Obviously, Tom Brady has not had a great history playing in my I'll Ohio even stadiums. give you the point because it's actually five-and-a-half. I'll, I'll let you have that point. Oh, that's very kind of you. I'll take the five. I mean, I would take that five and a half anyway. I don't know if you know about Jeff Driscoll. He's not very good. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. Former former Florida quarterback um, came in for the injured Drew Locke, and he had a moment or two against the Steelers, but obviously when push came to shove, he was Jeff Driscoll. Tampa Bay didn't play a great game against uh, Carolina last week, but they got their first win, and Denver is depleted. They're... You know, they're much of a mash unit as um, San Francisco is. And I think Tom Brady and Tampa are going to continue to build on the momentum of week two. And they're going to go in and win pretty easily uh, in Denver, uh, which has been a house of horrors for him. So give me Tampa Bay with the five and a half. We'll go off your spread uh, in Denver. Nobody calls it Tampa anymore. It's Tampa. I don't like Tampa. I don't like saying Tampa. I'm not going to do it. It's named after me, not Brady, by the way. I don't think so. Does I don't think you've your stepped foot. On calling it Tampa? Have you have you stepped foot in Tampa? I feel like I've been to Tampa once in my life. Don't <laughs> fucking count. give me that shit, bro. 
Hey, listen, Don't I'm going to give it right back to you. I need, I, need, I, I need validation <laughs> so that you've even stepped foot in Tampa Bay. Right, anyway, give us a sperm bank My sperm pick bank pick of the week brought to you by Phil Rivers, as usual, playing the Jets this week. Um, I am going to go to Tennessee, minus one and a half. Minnesota sucks, okay? Kirk Cousins sucks. Minnesota fucking sucks. And I think Tennessee can beat them by more than a point and a half. I don't care that they're in Minnesota. I think that's very fair after the performance that Minnesota put up against Phil Rivers and the and the uh, Colts last week. I don't care that they're eleven on the points. I'm gonna. I, I don't care. I, I got no points to grab here. But you know what? It, it's way less than a touchdown. Uh, Tennessee's all they all they really have to do is win this game, uh, and and I'm basically covering. I shouldn't jinx it by saying that, should I? That's not my decision to but make. But with that being said, I think Tennessee can beat them by more than a point. Okay. So there you go. There's your sperm bank. There we have it. All right, let's run down it again just so everybody has it in case I mean we're three and one. They should be taking these bets. So I have you and I both have the Colts minus nine and a half against my Jets, the Giants to cover the four and a half point spread against the Niners. You have Carolina plus six and a half. I have New England minus six and a half. You have Tampa Bay minus five and a half, and I have as my sperm bank pick of the week brought to you by Phil Rivers. Cash it in. Tennessee minus a point and a half. Beautiful. Lock it in. All right. That about wraps it up, everybody. Hopefully next week it won't be as busy for me. We will be able to get back to our normal Monday Wednesday rundown. Um, Real fast before we finish up, I need to everybody get your, vote. Uh, by the way, please. Yes, obviously, please. Yeah, uh, absentee, you know, get that shit in if you're doing that or mask up. Uh, and I think it's like 44 days now, 43 days. Did you, what are your takeaways from uh, from golf this past weekend, my man? You talking about the Tiger Woods thing? I'm, I mean, Tiger was terrible, but what were your takeaways from the, uh, from the U.S. Open? Oh, 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 that was last weekend, right? Because this past weekend, Tiger had a weird, like, uh, he opened up a public course or something. I think that was it, right? Um, but I don't no, know. No, I mean, listen, uh, Bryson went out and grabbed that fucking tournament. Uh, what else can you really say? The closest, he was minus six. The closest guy was number two, Matthew Wolf, at plus one. What, el- what else do you have to say? I mean, Bryson did it. Science worked out for him. I don't like Bryson. I think he's kind of an asshole, but clearly his theories worked and he was electric. By the way. He said he is going to he's going to attack um he's going to attack Augusta the same way he just attacked uh, Hey man, listen, more power to him. He finally got so. a major, got that off his got that off his chest. Um and I think he just honestly with that major win sprung himself into the World Golf Hall of Fame. You know it was funny for the uh, beginning of that tournament Patrick Reed was leading for a while and I was like, "Yes, we're going to get a showdown of the two assholes." But at least one of them persevered. That's fun. Yeah, I mean, some of my picks were good. I think DJ was in the top ten as well as somebody else I picked. But some of them were abysmal. Um, I'm going to have to see the next tournament coming up. I did not get out to Wingfoot, by the way. No, I didn't think you were going to sneak your way in. No, I, I decided to play a round of golf on my own anyways. How'd you play? I shot a, I believe I shot a 92. All right. Not bad, not bad. Good for you. Good for you, pal. I'll have to get keep you out there, buddy. Me. Come on. I keep talking about it. Let's 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 do this. I know. We we talk about a lot of things on this pod that we haven't done. That's very true. All right, my <laughs> friend. All right, buddy. Good talking to you. I'll talk to you next week. Everybody, enjoy your week. Um, enjoy the weekend and, and enjoy the football. And go out there and enjoy. vote. Enjoy. Do do the yes. absentee ballots. That I've never seen something done by the government that's easier to do. I mean, I've got Instagram telling me to cash in my absentee ballots. I've got... Facebook. I, I haven't been on Facebook, but I can only assume. Every yeah. single every single thing that you look at throughout the day is giving you an opportunity on the computer to register for an absentee ballot. Just click on one. You have plenty of time. Do it while you're taking a shit if you have to. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say, too, is after uh, yesterday's troubling news about uh, Breonna Taylor's killers uh, not getting charged, obviously, um, justice for Breonna, that whole, 
obviously the whole saga, it just, it gets worse and worse. And we see, we talk about the federal level a lot, a lot of this shit uh, that we are upset about and we want change uh, on stems from the state and local levels. So if you're not completely in love with any of the two presidential candidates, uh, your votes on your state and local levels mean, if not more, uh, than the federal levels, because that's how change is actually going to get done. So keep that in mind when you're when you're debating whether it's worth it or not, you motherfuckers. What a way to finish it, man. We're literally just <laughs> at the hour mark. Thank you for that. Uh, All welcome, right, everybody. Man. Have you're a welcome. good night and have a good weekend. Be safe out there. Take care, guys. All right, man.